Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking about three reasons you should care about the interest rate hike.
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Gaines. It will expand your brain. Well, crap. As they predicted, interest rates are on the rise yet again. So the Federal Reserve raised the Fed fund rate by another quarter percent to 0.75% this week. And we've already seen one additional rate hike this year, which brought the rate from 0.25 to 0.5, and now we're up at 0.75, all right? So you see the trajectory, right? We are going nowhere but upwards. And if you've gotten this far in your life and you have no idea what the Fed funds is, what the Federal Reserve is, or why any of this should matter to you, that's okay. Right. Um, I know that in my early 20s, I probably tuned out to a lot of these things. I was like, why do I even need to know about that? How can that even affect me? I, I, I don't care, basically, was probably my mentality when I was in my early 20s. And then when I got in my mid 20s, I bought a house. Then I started to care a little bit about the Fed fund rate, what that was at. Um, I had a deep understanding of how everything was kind of connected and what loan terms meant. Um, And then I go in through a period where I'm like, well, you know what, whatever it is, it is, right? However However it works out, it works out. But I really think that, you know, of all of the things in the economy, uh, whether you watch CNN or any of the news channels, I mean, do you even watch news? It is so depressing. I can barely actually watch the news anymore and not feel like I want to like crawl in a hole. Right. I mean, it just seems like everything is so crazy and it's getting even worse. But if you do watch the news and you are at least familiar with the Federal Reserve and the Fed funds rate, I just wanted to kind of do a little demystification here and then talk about three reasons why I really think you should care about this. Even if you care about no other economic factor at all, this one you should care about because this one does actually affect your bank account, your wallet, um, and potentially your financial future. So if all of this Fed funds talk has really confused you. Here is, I'm going to break this down into like the easiest possible way to explain this possible. All right. So the Fed fund rate is raised or lowered to stimulate or to slow down the economy. Got it? All right. So think of it like a lever, right? It goes up and goes down. So when it goes up, the effort is to slow a booming economy. And when it goes down, the effort is to speed up the economy. So if we just look back to, you know, 2009, when everything went crazy, everything crashed, the the housing market crashed, you remember that time, right? You probably remember it like vividly. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe your parents or your family lost a house or a business or I don't know. I mean, things just went crazy, right? So from January 2009 onward, we've basically been at somewhere between 0% and 0.25% for the Fed fund rate. That's the lowest this thing can go, kids, right? It can't go any lower. I mean, we can't go negative with this. So all we can do is take this down to zero. And we were at zero for a while, and then we kind of crept up to a quarter percent. And, you know, the reason that you know, we went all the way down to zero was because, you know, we were thinking there was going to be another Great Depression, right? There was going to be something 
Um, I, I mean, banks were failing. Um, the government had to pump money into companies. I mean, if you just think back to that time period, things are really crazy and nobody had any idea how in the world we were going to get out of it. So the Federal Reserve just said, okay, let's just take this thing down to zero and let's just try to uh, stimulate the economy in any way possible. And so that meant, you know, uh, getting loans and things like that, you know, were, were not easy, but you had probably better interest rates. So if you bought a car anywhere between 2009 and now, you probably had a super low interest rate, um, unless you have not great credit, right? And, and that I want you to work on. So if you're in a situation where, you know, you have higher interest rates just because um, your credit score, I really want you to to work on that. I want you to make that your 2017 goal, right? Because I want all of us to have, you know, really phenomenal credit scores so that we can just have great choices with our finances. But anyway, I digress. All right. So why raise this rate now? Well, unemployment is down, the stock market is booming, uh, and the dollar is super strong against most currencies worldwide. So that's why, you know, visiting places like UK and Europe that were once really expensive to us as US citizens are now great places to go visit. I just recently went to uh, Stockholm, which I'm going to tell you all about in January. But, you know, I kept reading all these articles about how expensive it was and, you know, how travelers basically stayed away from places like Sweden because, you know, it was just such a bad currency exchange. And I have to tell you, when I went there, I thought, gosh, you know, like what we were paying for dinner, I thought, well, this is pretty much like what we'd pay in Los Angeles, if not maybe a little bit less. And I kept thinking, am I missing something? And then it dawned on me like, oh, duh, you know, the, the US dollar is strong now and the Swedish krona is is down. And so it actually makes it more feasible for you to go travel places like that, which made it in hindsight, a really good time to go visit. Um, but rates, they affect the prices that you pay at the store, right? And how quickly they go up, which is also called inflation. And we've talked about inflation, right? It's how, you know, like, I don't know, you can buy, you know, a bucket of popcorn at the movie theater today and it's uh, something ridiculous, right? Like $5. Um, and then a year from now it's like $6 or Five seventy-five or whatever it may be, it's inflation, right? And it's also just let's get real. It's also just movie theaters trying to gouge us. I mean, I went to the movies yesterday, and I I don't I don't normally buy anything at the movies. I'm I'm one of those people in in brackets. I'm one of those people, one of those persons. Um, and I usually sneak in stuff. I, I'm just going to say it. I sneak in popcorn. I make popcorn at home. I sneak in a drink in my purse. I bring like the extra large purse and I put everything in it. And it weighs like 10 pounds when we walk into the movie theater. But I feel so much better because, I mean, it's, it costs you like 20 bucks to get like a popcorn and two sodas. It's ridiculous. So anyway, yesterday we had to buy something and... Um, I was looking at the prices and I thought, this is crazy. I mean, this is crazy. This is literally crazy. The fact that you should pay over $5 for a small soda, that is just absolutely ridiculous to me. That is inflation. But anyway, all right, so we've got this inflation. So is the interest rates um, that you pay on credit cards and loans and how fast your savings account grows, um, how hard it is to get a job, all of those things are, are related to these rates. So higher rates, again, they um, push down price inflation 
while lowering uh, rates can actually prompt more hiring. So again, when the Fed fund rate goes up, interest on loans, credit cards, savings accounts, everything move up to catch up with the rate. And borrowers generally get hurt faster than savers get helped. All right. So savers like higher interest rates because you can earn more interest on your high yield savings accounts. But those in debt that have loans like the lower interest rates because they get better rates, right? Better car loans, variable rates, home loans, all of those sorts of things. So see how this kind of works? All right. So the Federal Reserve, they were actually set up by Congress in 1913 to help keep the economy super strong by maintaining high employment. So people have jobs. And if you keep inflation down so that goods, you know, things that you buy at the store don't get too unaffordable, right? So we want, we want lots of people working. We want low unemployment, right? We want to keep the economy super strong. We want to keep inflation down so that when you go to the grocery store, you don't have a heart attack when you go to checkout because something that you bought yesterday is now super expensive. So that was the whole purpose behind the Federal Reserve and why they were set up. Again, in a booming economy, stuff just gets more expensive, which is what people mean when they talk again about inflation. And if the Fed is worried that this inflation might make things too unaffordable for everyone, it might ramp up the interest rates just a little bit more, right? So it's trying to slow down. It's trying to slow down like the snowball that they see kind of like careening down a hill, right? They want to kind of just like not stop it necessarily, but just slow the roll, right? Just make it roll a little bit slower. That's pretty much what they're trying to do. So they try and, and, and it's basically a guessing game. It's looking at all these numbers and looking at all these factors in the economy and going, okay, well, what are we going to do? And basically the Fed meets four times a year, right? And in those meetings, they decide either to leave the rate as is, to lower it or to raise it. Well, the last couple meetings, they've decided to raise it. So, you know, my theory is that we're definitely in a trend where we're going to see it go up. Next year, we're going to see it go up some more. How many times? I don't know. You know, some people guess two to three. Some people think one to two. Some people think four times. So we really don't know. Um, but, you know, it's a good thing to kind of pay attention to this. All right. So let's talk about those three things that are going to affect you with the interest rates. Some good, some not so good. But I don't care that um, you're in your 20s. I don't care if you're in your 30s. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in your 60s or your 70s listening to this podcast. You still need to understand how all of this works, right? So the first one is just credit cards. So credit card interest rates, unless you have like a fixed rate for 0% or some percentage that you may be locked into for a time period, that's not going to change, right? So if you locked into 0% for, I don't know, 15 months, you're going to have 0% for 15 months. After the 15 months, depending on where the interest rates are, will determine kind of where your interest rate is. See where that works? Okay, so credit cards are based on variable rates. And that means they go up and down with the Fed fund rates. And staying on top of paying your credit card on time is so critically important because if you have like a 30-day late, that could affect your interest rate. It's just ridiculous. I mean, they could take you from, you know, I don't know, a 9 or 10% interest rate all the way up to like a 25% interest rate just for missing a payment. So stay on top of your payments, like literally do whatever you need to do. If you need to set yourself 
like phone reminders that like buzz and buzz and buzz again until you hit, you know, I'm done. I've paid that bill. Um, if you need to put everything on auto pay, that's what I do, honestly, because I don't, I, I have so many things going on that it's so super easy for me to forget something. And so I just put everything on auto pay. Now you got to make sure you have all the money in the account. You know, if you're going to do the auto pay route, but basically then it lets me decide if on a certain bill or whatnot, I want to add more to it each month. I can do that, but at least I know the minimums are going to get paid and I don't need to worry about that. So with the interest rate rise, you're really not going to see like a huge jump in the interest on your credit card, maybe one or two bucks a month extra in interest rate, but it's not going to be drastic, right? Because most of us, even if we have what we consider a large amount of debt, when we're considering just about a quarter percent interest rate hike, it's really not going to have that big of an effect, right? However, this is also a great time to maybe think about increasing your payments, um, get that payoff strategy in line. I've got a ton of podcasts about, you know, finding the right strategy to pay off your debt, to pay off your credit cards, your student loan, whatever it may be that you that you have. Um, just get a strategy in place. And again, it doesn't mean you need to be this like hero with a cape on your back and pay off, you know, a massive amount of debt in six months or nine months. You know, there's all of these articles online that I read all the time. And I think it's fabulous if people can, you know, save a ton of money and maybe find all of these really creative ways to not spend so much money and put it all into paying off their debt. I'm never going to fault that. I think that's super awesome. But I'm also going to speak to you from like a reality perspective. And I'm going to let you know that sometimes it takes you a long time to pay off your debt. Sometimes you get on a really good It's like you're running fast on the treadmill, you know, and you feel awesome and things are getting paid off. And then, you know, suddenly like the treadmill breaks and you fall off the treadmill and then you can't pay off as much. So this is just reality. And I just, I I always want to be so super honest with you about the real life, right? So not all of us, or I should say very few of us go through life and like everything works out just perfectly, right? You get the perfect job, get the perfect raise, you have no debt, you buy the perfect house, you have the perfect kids, you have the perfect marriage, you have roll right into retirement, you have every single cent saved that you need, you know, you just have the perfect life. I have rarely met anybody that has that scenario. Like, I think that only exists in Hallmark movies, right? That's not real. The reality is, is that you're going to fall somewhere along the line. Something's going to happen to you. Something's going to get screwed up. You're going to have to pay more for something than you thought. Um, You're going to get in debt. You're going to get out of debt. You're going to get in debt again. Maybe some years you can't save any money. This is just the reality. So I just don't want you to beat yourself up about the reality of life. Okay. All right, I'm stepping off the soapbox. <laughs> number two, all right, so the number two way that uh, raising interest rates could affect you is student loan rates and student loan refinancing. So in the last few years, all of these companies, SoFi, Earnest, there's a ton of them, have really just done an incredible job with student loan refinancing, right? There are commercials all over the place. If you're if you're online and you're searching anything student loan, these companies come up. They've just been able to offer stellar rates because the interest rates have been so low to refinance you out of higher interest rate student loans. 
So if you're in the repayment phase, you're paying back your student loan, again, refinancing was a great option. There were super low rates. SoFi, Earnest, two of my favorites, they could offer borrowers a big savings. We're really going to have to see now how these companies respond to this raising interest rate environment and whether refinancing is still super viable. My guess is yes for a while, right? Um, If you're paying over 5% interest for your student loans, you should at least investigate refinancing. And here's the thing that most people kind of get hung up on. I get a lot of questions about this. So let's say you go to the SoFi site, right? And you're looking at refinancing and you enter your information in and then you're totally freaked out to see if you actually qualify for uh, refinancing. One thing you should know is it's not going to ding your credit, okay? So if, if you do, if you go through the... Um, kind of investigative phase with them, right? To find out what you might be able to get as far as an interest rate. It's not going to ding your credit. And and you're also not committing to anything. It isn't until you sign the loan agreement that you're committing to that loan, right? So it's not a bad idea to just see, you know, if you might fare better. You may or may not. Now, if you're just starting to repay your student loans, I would stay away from choosing any option that is variable. It's going to start out lower than the fixed repayment option, and it's going to look super attractive to you. It's going to look like you just rolled into Vegas and the lights are shining and everything's dinging and you're like, why wouldn't I choose the lower payment option? You would, except it's not going to stay lower, right? Because every time the Fed fund rate goes up, so is your variable interest rate on your student loan. And you could get to a point where, you know, maybe your student loan payment doubles or triples and you can't refinance it and you're stuck with that payment. That's not a situation you want to be in. That's basically what caused this whole home mortgage debacle was rising interest rates and all of these people had variable interest rate loans um, or no interest loans. And suddenly, their payments were going through the roof and people just couldn't couldn't make their monthly payment. So they defaulted on their home loan and it just happened in masses, right? Okay, number three way that the raising interest rates could affect you is cars and homes. So uh, these items are more expensive to finance as rates go up. So uh, Greg McBride, who is a, a certified financial advisor with Bankrate, He says that since a house is the biggest purchase that most people make, which is true, um, there is, you know, a tiny difference in your rate can actually pack a really big punch. So for instance, if the Fed raises the interest rate, say three or four times over the next year, that can make a big difference to someone with an adjustable rate mortgage. So a $200,000 mortgage at four and three quarters, 4.75% costs about $100 more each month than a $200,000 mortgage at 4%. See what, see what the difference is? Even just ratcheting up a few percentage points on a really large purchase, like 200000 300000 I mean, if you live in Los Angeles where I live, to, to get into the housing market, you got to have $500,000. Well, the larger the loan amount, um, the more impact that has on your monthly payment. So if you have an adjustable rate or a variable rate mortgage, man, when they start raising the interest rates, you better buckle your seatbelt and get prepared because 
it, it, it kind of sneaks up on you. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh my gosh, I'm paying, you know, $100 more or $200 more a month. And then it starts to get to a point where you can't afford it. So while interest rates are still relatively low, if you can, if you can refinance into a fixed rate loan, always go fixed. That is just my motto. Um, I used to work in the mortgage industry like eons ago and um, I, I, I just saw all the craziness and what would happen to borrowers as interest rates would go up and down. And so I am just the biggest fan of fixed, like just fix, lock me in, right? Just lock me into that number. You can sleep at night. You don't have to worry about this. It's not a big deal. So for car loans, you know, you might have to put more uh, money down to lower your interest rate and, and really keep your credit score high. That's going to ensure that you can get the best rate on a car loan. If you're thinking about buying a car, you know, the end of the year is a really great time. (laughs) Um, Dealers are really anxious to get rid of inventory. Uh, They want to have good sales numbers for the end of the year. I mean, if you're thinking about buying a car, I would, you know, I'm thinking like December, I don't know, 30th, 31st, 29th, somewhere in there, I'm thinking it's a really good time to go shopping for a car. Interest rates are still low. If you have good credit, man, they are going to want to deal. Um, so that's just a little, little, little hint if you're thinking about buying a car. But this is also a great time to think about online banking for savings accounts. So the negative of the interest rates going up is that anything that you have a loan, right, that's tied to a variable rate, uh, the payment's going to go up, the interest is going to go up. On the plus side is savings. So those ridiculously low savings rates that we've been dealing with the last couple of years, they're finally starting to get a little, a little lift underneath them, right? We're going to need the interest rates to go up a little bit more before um, saving money starts to be, or the interest rates, I should say, on saving money starts to be a bit attractive again. But uh, NerdWallet actually just came out with the best high-yield savings accounts of 2016, and I took a look at it. I actually linked it in the show notes. But some of the best are, again, Ally, Synchrony, Capital One 360, Barclays, and Discover. Those companies are all offering you great uh, interest rates. They're all online companies. So that means that you cannot drive up to the branch, right? But who does that anymore anyway? This is a savings account. Everything can be done online. You can move money back and forth from your bank account. You're just going to get higher interest rate. And a higher interest rate on savings means more money for you, right? So that's the positive side of the higher interest rates. Again, I'm a huge fan of online banks. I'm a huge fan of high-yield savings accounts. Even if you don't have that much money in savings, any extra money that you can earn is more money, is more money. What if you had an extra five bucks a month or 20 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month, whatever it may be, in the long run, that ends up being a lot more money that you can do with a lot more things. You can use it for investing. You can use it to pay off debt. I don't know, use it for anything, right? Use it to pay for the freaking popcorn at the movie theater. It's just more money. Okay, again, so I want you to be, you know, somewhat attentive 
when you hear things like, hey, the Fed's going to meet again and the interest rates might go up, I want you to go like, boom, okay, how is this going to affect me? What do I need to think about? Uh, Do I need to make any changes? Do I care right now? Do I not care right now? Is anything on a variable interest rate? This is kind of how I want you to think, right? To not just be uh, dismissive about any of this, but to really try and stay on top of it. All right, as always, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at Shauna Game, Instagram at millennial underscore money. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value.